in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit on God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 13. Uh, we will take only the first 17 verses. Uh, we'll not take the whole picture because of the time. So only the first 17 uh, pages. The first 12 chapters of the Gospel of, of John uh, discuss the major portion of the Lord's ministry on earth. And the last nine chapters discuss his final days on earth from covenant Thursday until uh, after his, his resurrection. Uh, and from chapter 13 to 17, in these five chapters, love is one of the key terms in these chapters. Occurring 31 times, 31 times in these five chapters, as compared to only six times from chapter 1 to 12. And some scholars have called chapters 13 to 17 from the Gospel of St. John, the Gospel of Love. The outline of this chapter can be divided into four sections. From 1 to 17, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And this our Bible starts tonight. Then from 18 to 30, to 30 Jesus identifies his betrayer. From 31 to 35, the new commandment. From 36 to 38, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. So let's start by chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Chapter 12, final verses, St. John brings to an end his account on the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ on earth. Then, he starts chapter 13 by the whole reason of Jesus' teaching and submission to the Father's will. That we should know that his life and death are an expression of his, de his deep love for his disciples. As he said, he loved them to the end. Loved them to the end means utterly and completely. That is the reason behind his death and his crucifixion. So the opening verse of chapter 13 sets the scene for the whole chapters from 13 to 17, the gospel of love. He loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Now the Lord is showing us the full extent of his love. There is no love greater than this. Love 
is the laying down of one's life. Therefore, to love completely, to love to the end, means to be willing to die for those whom you love. The love that has been evident throughout the love that has been evident throughout continues right up to the end. So the, the utter love or the complete love is the love that's evident throughout all the journey and continue to the end. At the end of his ministry, he was crucified. And in, on the cross, we'll see the ultimate revelation of that love in its full extent. As John said, his hour has come, and now it is time. His hour has come, and he should depart from this world to the Father. So he knew during the course of his earthly work that his hour would not yet come. Before, like in the wedding at Cana of Galilee, he said to St. Mary, his hour had not yet come. And this was repeated several times like in John chapter 2, John chapter 7, John chapter 11. But now, he knows with certainty that the hour is at hand, that he should depart from the earth to the Father. So, because he, he loved his own, who are his own? Those who believed in him. And those, because of their faith in him, received the power, received authority to be children of God. Those who are walking according to the light, and thus they became sons of light. These are the true members, the true family of God. He knew he would die. That's why he went ahead with the events that he knew would lead to the, that conclusion. He came for that hour to die on the cross. So now he started the event that will lead to this conclusion. This proves that he loved his own to the end. He was willing to die because he knew it was the only way people could be saved the only way for our salvation that he dies. That's why, because of his love, he was willing to die. And here actually, St. John used the word depart. He should depart from this world. So, depart, as we say in the litany for the departed, there is no death for your servants, but a departure. So, St. John is introducing this term, departure. Death is not end of life, but departure to the Father. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon the son, to betray him. Uh, there is difference actually between Arabic and English. In English, supper being ended. 
يعني العشاء انتهى لكن في العربي فحين كان العشاء so the Arabic said during the supper but the English says supper being ended so according to the Arabic supper was, supper was not yet ended but English supper being ended So there is a textual issue here to whether the original language, the Greek language with which St. John wrote his gospel, said the events recorded here occurred after supper was over or whether they occurred as supper was in progress. Apparently there is different translation reflecting different uh, context. Uh, And the different translation depends on a variation of just one letter in the original. So one letter in the Greek text can make it supper ended is over or can make during the supper. But the context appeared to indicate that the meal was still in progress as these events occurred. So the Arabic here is more accurate than the English. At this point, the devil had already led Judas Iscariot to decide to betray Jesus. I'm sure you know this happened on Thursday. And on Wednesday, he went to the chief priests and he made deal with them to deliver the Lord Jesus Christ in return of 30 pieces of silver. Judas was already a thief, so greedy, and he loved money. And this love of money motivated him to commit other evils as well, like betraying the Lord Jesus Christ. So his betrayal of the Lord was not the first act of greed. He used to steal the money in the treasury box. And he established that pattern in his life And simply now he is continuing the pattern of stealing or getting money for any reason. And this event happened soon after the Lord corrected Judas for his harsh criticism of Mary, the sister of Lazarus, when actually she poured very, very costly perfume to anoint the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Judas was still reacting to that event when he determined to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God. So, verse 3 actually show the act of humility, explain the act of humility which follows. So the Lord Jesus Christ with full consciousness of his supreme power, Father put all things in his hand, and the divine origin, he is one with the Father, and of the divine glory to which he was about to return when he ascended to heaven. Yes, because he was conscious of all of this, 
he left the disciples as an example of self-denial, which is the necessary outcome of love. So he is conscious who he is, the glory that he has, the power that he has, but decided actually out of love to leave for us an example of self-denial and who the true servant should look like. As we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8 to 8, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It is his right. It is one with God. So, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. Bond servant means slave. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Washing feet was an act of hospitality where people generally traveled by foot, wearing sandals, walking in hot, dusty sand. Washing the feet of visitors was done to comfort the guests and to meet their needs and to welcome them. It was the work of the servants, the maids who working in the house, never performed by superiors to their inferior, never. But here we see the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 4. He rose from the supper which means supper still was going on. He rose from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself to wash the feet. The garment laid aside would be the outer garment, which would hinder his action while washing the feet. But he took the outer garment and he left the tunic and the tunic was the ordinary dress of a servant. And he took a towel and girded himself. This was itself a mark of the servant's position and was meant to signify his assumption of the servant's work. Now he is taking the position of a servant, the master, the Lord, the God of all now he emptied himself, made himself of no reputation, sitting on the ground to wash the feet of the disciples. Verse 5. <clears throat> After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. By washing the disciples' uh, feet, the Lord Jesus Christ took upon him, himself the humblest of duties, generally left to a servant. But what a surprising instance of humility and condensation is this, that Christ the Lord, the Master, the God, the Messiah should wash the feet of his disciples when it was 
their proper work and business to have washed his feet. So instead of them washing his feet, he sat on the floor, the ground, to wash their feet. The one whom they all knew to be the greatest among them voluntarily chose to do the humblest task among them. And there was actually uh, two opinions whether the Lord washed the feet of Judas or not. Origen the scholar believed that the Lord Jesus Christ did not, did not wash the feet of Judas, as he could have no fellowship with them due to his determination to do evil. But on the contrary, St. John Chrysostom comments that the Lord first began by washing the feet of Judas. That's according to John Chrysostom. In order to offer him all the loving acts up to the very last moment before his unfaithful and deceitful deed. And this church, of course, supports the opinion of St. John Chrysostom that the Lord washed the feet of Judas. The Lord did so to grant Judas the opportunity to examine himself and to withdraw from his evil intentions. Uh, and it cannot be determined with whom our Lord commenced the feet washing. It was not mentioned in the scripture. However, it seems that after he had washed the feet of some of the disciples, he came to Peter. So Peter was not number one. But Peter, modestly and out of reverence to the Lord, refused to be washed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter after he washed some of the disciples. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this, which means it is a mystery. It's a mystery. It's clear that the disciples were in a state of shocked amazement due to the Lord's act. But none of them had spoken a word until Peter's turn came. Peter had often witnessed the Lord's humility. Yet, he never imagined it would get to that extent of appearing as a slave undertaking the washing of the feet. That's why, as surprised and astonished, he said to the Lord, Are you washing my feet? Uh, so, Peter it speaks as one surprised and astonished that Christ should offer to do any such thing to him. No, you cannot wash my feet. Uh, he who is the son of the living God should wash the feet of such sinful man as he was. So Peter was very surprised. Your hands that wrote many miracles, like opening the eyes of the blind, cleansing the leper, raising the dead, 
should be employed to wash the feet of a defiled man like me? Feet the meaner and inferior parts of my body? So Peter thought was greatly below Peter thought this action is greatly below the dignity and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's too much to be done to him by, by the Lord Jesus Christ to such sinner man or sinful man like Peter. Peter knew that he was about to wash his feet and the rest of his disciples. But he didn't know the meaning and the mystery of it. What Christ designed by it and what instructions they were to receive from it. That's why the Lord told him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. So Peter thought it's just a simple washing of the feet. That's why the Lord said, no, it's a mystery. You don't understand it now, but you will understand later. St. John Chrysostom says, It is as though the Lord is telling Peter, Allow me to do this now, and I will soon tell you the nature and purpose of this act. What do these words imply? St. John is saying, What do these words imply? You will know after this. Peter said, When? When I will know. So the answer, when you will order devils to come out in my name, as if the Lord said to Peter, you will know when you, Peter, will order devils to come out in my name, when you will see me ascending into heaven, when you know through the Spirit that I sit at the right of God, then you will understand what's going on. This means that you will know the great benefit you gather from this, from me washing your feet. The benefit of the lesson you learn is how the Lord leads us to all manner of humility. So when you as an apostle go and preach, you will be humble and wash the feet of the people. Verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. It's impossible. Jesus answered him, Well, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So Peter couldn't accept the disciples' attitude and say yes to the Lord. He persists, You will never wash my feet. He doesn't wait until this knowledge that when the Lord told him, you will know later. He doesn't wait for the after knowledge, which the Lord promises him, you will know later. He sees no ground on which our Lord's act can possibly be one which he can permit. There is no reason that I will allow you to wash my feet. No, even I don't understand later. Uh, Although the Lord in verse 7 told him this act is a symbolic, has, has meaning behind it. Uh, so now the Lord Jesus Christ is referring to the truth underlying the outer act. The outer act of washing the feet 
Now he's referring to the truth underlying it. By the act of washing their feet, he, Jesus Christ, their Lord, taught the spirit of self-sacrifice and love in opposition to the spirit of self-seeking and pride which ruled even in the apostle's heart. You know, after communion on Thursday, a dispute was mentioned in the Gospel of St. Mark. A dispute among them, immediately after communion, who will be the greatest among us? So the Lord actually wants to teach them the spirit of self-denial, the spirit of love, self-sacrifice, in the opposition of the spirit of self-seeking and pride, which actually dwelt in the apostles. And that lesson every servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ must learn. As the Lord said, the servant is not greater than the Lord, nor the apostle than the sender. So if the Lord washed the feet of the disciples, we should wash the feet of the people. So that lesson Peter was refusing to learn in, he, in pride of his own. He insist, insisting on your opinion is some sort of pride. So Peter insisted. You know, John the Baptist, when the Lord went to him and told him, permitted now, John obeyed immediately. But Peter insisted this pride, you shall never wash my feet. Uh, so th that lesson that Peter was refusing to learn in the pride of his own impulsive will, which seemed to be humble humility. So from outside, it looks like humility. Uh, I refuse that you wash my feet. But in persistence and insisting on your opinion, it's pride. That's why unless Peter learned to accept the love of the Lord Jesus Christ's humiliation, and to be cleansed by its power, the power of the humility and love of Jesus Christ, then, and to submit and to yield completely his human will that said, you shall never wash my feet, to the divine will, and to learn the self-sacrifice. And this is spirit that the Lord presented. Otherwise, as the Lord told him, you will have no part with me. So unless you learn how to be humble, yield completely to the divine will, put your will aside, and surrender completely to God's will, you cannot have part or portion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the lesson is a hard one, but it is necessary. Uh, they say the sacrifice of will is harder than sacrifice of life. Sacrifice of will is harder than the sacrifice of life. But strong man must become like a little child before he can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you convert and be like children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When the Lord told him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me, verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my hand. Again, Peter wanted to do it his way. So the Lord told him, I will wash your feet. 
Now he's presented another solution. No, wash my feet, my hand, on my head. Peter still misunderstands the meaning, the meaning of washing the feet, but he is true to his loving, impulsive character. And once more, he will go before and give advice to the master. Now he's giving advice to the Lord. Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. St. John Chrysostom says, in his disagreement, he was fervent. Also in his yielding, more fervent. But both came from his love. When he said to the Lord, no, you will never wash my feet because he loved the Lord. Now when he said, yes, wash my head, my hand and my feet because of his love. Some scholars consider Peter's request here reveals some sort of humility, even though it carries some sort of pride too. Why pride? Because he has not accepted the Lord's thought, but rather intended to fulfill his own will. Wash my head, my hand, and my feet. So the Lord answered and told him, verse 10, and see the patience of the Lord. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Why he said not all of you? For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. Christ's answers here undoubtedly showed that he is speaking of something far more important than washing the feet. Washing the feet is just the outer act, but there is meaning behind it. Then the Lord goes back to the spiritual meaning which Peter attributed to his words. Peter, when he told him, wash my head, my hand and my feet, now Peter starts to understand that the Lord is speaking about spiritual cleansing. St. Peter's words have implied that he was wholly unclean and needed for feet, head, and hand. The whole man, the whole man needs spiritual cleansing. But the Lord said to him, no, this was not so. The man who has been bathed is clean, but his feet coming in contact with the dust of the road need to be washed. So it was so morally, in this, the same concept, a moral, uh, the same concept uh, applies to the moral concept. The whole moral life had been changed after they start to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and after they became his disciples. But there they were liable to the corruption of everyday life through which they walked and needed to be cleansed from the pollution of it. So the Lord told them, no, you are morally clean, you are spiritually clean, but in your journey, in every day, you commit some sins, that is what you need to be cleansed from. It was inevitable that some of the fathers, like Augustine and Theodore, should see here a reference to baptism, and speak of Peter's having overlooked the grace of his baptism because the Lord baptized the 12 disciples. And washing the feet referred to the tears of repentance 
which represent the second baptism. So Peter is clean, pure, but one of them is spiritually impure and clean, which is Judas. So, when the Lord said, what I am doing, you do not understand now, this was reference to what we need to do before taking communion. Because the Lord washed their feet before giving them communion. That's why on Covenant Thursday, we have the liturgy of the water before the communion. And the Lord told him, if I do not wash you, if I don't wash your feet, and washing the feet represent repentance and confession, sacrament of repentance and confession, you have no part with me, meaning you cannot take communion. That's why the church is teaching us, if there is no repentance and no confession, you cannot take communion. From where we get this? From John chapter 13, verse 8. Peter, when he told him, not my feet only, but also my hand and my head, this again as if he wants to be baptized again. So every time we sin, according to Peter, I need to be baptized again. But the Lord told him, he was bathed, he was baptized, he needs only to wash his feet. So, if I am baptized, when I sin, I don't need rebaptism. All what I need to wash my feet only, which means to repent, confess my sins. Yet, you are clean, but not all of you, because Judas was not repentant. Judas intended to betray the Lord Jesus Christ, and there was no repentance here. So this is the moral application accompanied by the mournful thought that it was not true for all. All of them are pure except one. One there was among those who had been bathed, purified, who had allowed the devil to enter into his heart and to pollute it. It is Judas who Jesus knows has already betrayed him. So, this is the first reference to the betrayal during the feast. For he knew, verse 11, for he knew who would betray him. That's the first reference to betrayal in verse 11. The words are words of warning. So, God, Jesus Christ here, giving a warning to Judas. You are not pure, you are not clean. Is spoken in the love which even then might have redeemed and cleansed the heart. If Judas actually responded, if he opened his heart to receive this word of rebuke and he repented, he would be saved. But Judas was deaf even to these words of warning. Verse 12, So when he had washed their feet, taking his garment back, and sat down again at the master, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? So, putting on his outer garment again, and after performing this symbolic act, uh, he took his place on the table, 
And he asked them this question. Do you know? Do you understand what I'm doing? This question is asked not to be answered, but to direct their attention to what he had done and to the interpretation which he will explain right now. Do you know what I have done to you? Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So, the disciples knew the outward action he had done to them that he had washed their feet, but yet they did not know the mystery of it. The, what the Lord did means. So now he's explaining, I am your teacher and Lord. These are ordinary titles to any rabbi. And it was not permitted to any student or any pupil to call his teacher by his proper name. They call him rabbi or teacher. Though he had acted the part of a servant in such a surprising manner by washing their feet, yet he still maintains his claims and authority as teacher and Lord when he said, and you will uh, say so. St. John Chrysostom said, the one who sits above the cherubim washed the disciples' feet. Do you O earthly person, proudly and vainly overestimate yourself ever so greatly, even though you are made of ashes, dust, and earth? So if the one who sits upon the cherubim washes the feet of the disciples, who you are estimating yourself? By example, he has shown his, his apostles how they are to serve him. By serving one another, lovingly, in complete humility, as he had served them in washing their feet. That's what we should do. If he had so humbled himself as to do work of a slave, of a servant for them, much more they ought to humble themselves for each other. But he didn't mean they should perform this single act, which washing the feet of others, but the whole attitude of a servant, of a servant of Christ, should be attitude of humbleness and humility. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So if I did this, you should do it. Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. So the, the person, the apostle who is sent is not greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, knowledge is not enough. Blessed are you if you do them. So it's not enough to know them, but you need to do them. So they ought to behave in a spirit of humility and condensation to one another.
to do every kind and good work by love to serve one another in all things. So the service requirement is the self-forgetting ministry of love. I forget myself in love. And I place the interest of myself behind and below those whom I am serving. I put the interest of myself behind and below those whom I am serving. We ought to serve one another in all works of love and not to think themselves too good or too great to do the meanest service. Nothing is more theoretically easy and acceptable than this principle, but nothing more difficult of accomplishment. Maybe from outside, I come and wash your feet, but more importantly from within, I feel and I, I live as servant of all and the last of all, as the Lord Jesus said. St. Augustine said, May each person forgive the sins of his brother and pray for other sinners. In this manner, each person would wash the other person's feet. When I forgive the sins of others and pray for others, this washing the feet. Because we said washing the feet is repentance and forgiveness of sins. So when I forgive the other, that's washing the feet. St. John Chrysostom says, according to nature, Jesus is God and we are his servant. In spite of that, he did not refuse to do the job of washing the feet. Therefore, he has made us indebted to one another as he has first performed this task for us. Has made us indebted to perform even lesser tasks. Then the Lord told them, most assuredly, verse 17, uh, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Most assuredly, to draw their attention to something is important and worthy of attention and observation is delivered. For if a master condescend to perform such action, much more may a servant do it. Then he told them, blessed are you if you do it. Real blessings are obtained through knowing the Lord in a practical manner. What does it mean to know the Lord in a practical manner? Meaning to obey him, to follow his example. This blessedness depends on combining the action with the knowledge. Now I know what humility is. Blessed are we if we do it, because faith without works is dead. This completes our Bible study for tonight. I will give a quick summary in Arabic. أما يسوع قبل عيد الفصح وهو عالم أن سعته قد جاءت لينتقل من هذا العالم. مرات كثيرة زي مثلا فارس عنق قانا جليل قال ساعتي لم تأتي بعد فهو عالم ان ساعته جاءت لينتقل من هذا العالم الى الآب اذ كان قد احب خاصته الذين في العالم احبهم للمنتهى هنا من اول اصحة 13 بيبين الحب الحب في انه يخسر ارجل تلاميذه الحب في بانه بيعطيهم جسده ودمه يأكلوه ويشربوه 
الحب في انه بيحتمل في جسماني ان يوضع عليه اسم جامعنا الحب في الست محاكمات اللي قضاها المسيح ثلاث محاكمات الدينية ثلاث محاكمات المدنية الحب في كل الالام اللي مر بها سيد المسيح الحب اللي تجلف في عظم صوره على الصليب لما سمر على خشبة الصليب الحب في كيف غفر للص اليمين على الصليب كل ديا أحب خاصته الذين في العالم أحبهم إلى المنتهى فحين كان العشاء تعرفين السيد المسيح أكل الفصح وبعد كده أعطاهم جسد ودمه وقد ألقى الشيطان في قلب يهوز سمعان الأسخريوتي أن يسلموا وللأسف يهوز وافق على أن يسلم المسيح من أجل محبته للفضة ومحبته للمال يسوع وهو عالم كلمة وهو عالم مهمة عالم إيه؟ قال ثلاث حاجات أن الآب قد دفع كل شيء إلى يديه السلطان أنه من عند الله الألوهية وإلى الله يمضي المجد السلطان والألوهية والمجد بالرغم من كده بالرغم من سلطانه بالرغم من هو الله بالرغم من المجد قام عن العشاء خلع ثيابه أخذ من شفة وأتذر بها وهو عالم بمن هو كل اليقين لكن أخذ شكل العام خلع ثيابه فضل بس الجلبية الداخلية وده كان لبس العبيد وخد من شفة فوطة وإتظر بها ده كان العبيد بيعمله كده كان لما بيجوا ضيوف مين اللي كان بيخسر لنا الضيف مش صاحب المنزل إنما العبد الموجود في بيته كان بيخسر رجلين الضيف وهنا ربنا وهو عالم من هو قام عشان يخسر أرجل تلاميذه ثم صب ماء في مغسل وابتدأ يخسر أرجل التلاميذ ويمسحها بالمنشفة التي كان مؤتذرا بها غالبا التلاميذ صدموا بس محاش قدر يتكلم الغاية لما جيه دور بطرس فجاء لسمعان بطرس بطرس مش متصور قال له يا سيد أنت تخسر رجلي أنت تخسر رجلي معقولة فربنا قال بص غسيل الرجل ده دنس أو حاجة رمزية لحاجة أعمق قال له لست تعلم أنت الآن ما أنا أصنع ولكنك ستفهم فيما بعد خليني بس أخسر رجليك وهتفهم بعد كده إلا مقصود بغسيل الرجل بطرس يوحنا المعمدان المسيح قال له اسمح الآن على طول أطاع بطرس برضو في عيناته يعني برغم من برا الصورة صورة تواضع إنما التصميم على الرأي والإصرار على الرأي ده نوع من أنواع العناد نوع من أنواع الزاد والكبرياء فبطرس قال له لن تغسل رجلي أبدا لن تغسل رجلي أبدا مستحيل أنا مش شايف برغم مسيح قال له بص في معنى والمعنى ده تفهمه فيما بعد قال أنا مش مش فاهم ومش عايز أفهم ومش تغسل رجلي ربنا قال خلاص أجابه يسوع إن كنت لا أغسلك فليس لك معنى مصر ودي أحيانا الآية دي بنستخدمها في التربية خصوصا مع ولادك في سن المراهقه ما تخشش في بارس تراجل مع ولادك يعني المسيح لو دخل في بارس تراجل لا أغسل الجوداني يقول لا مين بقى هيكسر كلمة مين إن المسيح ده الاختيار قال خلاص لا مش عايزني أغسلك ذا سفان 
بس لو مش اغسلك يبقى انت اخترت ما يكونش ليك نصيب معايا نفس الكلام في التربيه مع اولادك ما تخشش فور ستراجل مين هيكسر مين بس يديله اختيارات لو انت اخترت ده النتيجه بتاعتها تكون كده ولو اخترت ده النتيجه بتاعتها تكون كده فالمسيح هنا ادى بطرس اختيار قال له خلاص عايز تختار ما اغسلش رجليك فاين بس مش يكون لك معايا نصيب بطرس بقى قلق من حكايه ليس لك مع نصيب فراح قال له بص يا رب ليس رجلي فقط بل ايضا يدي وراسي برضه لغايه هنا بص مش عايز يطاوع يعني ربنا قال له رجلك بس برضه لازم يحط هيز اون اجند قال له بص يبقى رجلي وراسي وايدي ربما بطرس فكر فيها لو هو المعنى التطهير يعني اشمعنى رجلي ده انا كلي محتاج تطهير راسي فكري محتاج تطهير يدي اعمالي محتاج تطهير رجل طريقي محتاج تطهير اغسلني بالكلية فربنا قال له الذي قد اغتسل ليس له حاجة إلا إلى غسل رجليه بل هو طاهر كله ايه معنى الكلام ده اغتسل هنا يعني المعمودية لان في المعمودية بيدفن الانسان العطيق وبنلبس انسان جديد طيب بعد كده وانا ماشي في رحلة الحياة بعد المعمودية بعمل خطايا فهل كل مرة بعمل خطية محتاج ان انا اتعمد؟ لا محتاج بس اغسل رجلي غسل الرجل يبقى معناه ايه؟ معناه سر التوبة والاعتراف يبقى ربنا هنا لما قام عن العشاء عشان يغسل رجليهم عشان بعد كده هديهم جسده ودمه اكن بيقول لهم لازم تكونوا تايبين ومعترفين عشان تتناولوا مش كده قال لي بطرس لو ما غسلتش رجلك يعني لو انت مش تايب ومش معترف لن يكون معك معي نصيب مش تقدر تتناول لان التناول من غير توبة يكون مجرم في جسد رب ودم فهنا قال له والذي قد اختسل الا اتعمد ليس له حاجة الا الى غسل رجلي ان يقدم توبة بس مش محتاج اتعمد كل مرة بل هو طاهر كله ولأنتم طاهرون ولكن ليس كلكم لان يهوذا كان هيتقدم من غير ما يكون ايه قدم توب طبعا موضوع يهوذا تناول او ما تناولش في رايين في الكنيسه بين اباء الكنيسه الكبار في اباء قالوا تناولوا اباء ما تناولوش فبس انا بقولها كده يعني في رايين فهنا ربنا قالهم كلكم طاهرون ولكن ليس كلكم مش كلكم طاهرين لانه عارف مسلمه قال لستم كلكم طاهرين لكن في معنى تاني لغسل الارجل فلما كان قد غسل ارجلهم واخذ ثيابه لبس ثاني وقعد واتكئ قعد بقى مكانه وسطهم كمعلم وكرب قال لهم اتفهمون ما قد صنعت بكم تفهمين ايه اللي انا عملته هشرح لكم المعنى بقى ما انا قلت لبطرس ستفهم فيما بعد انتم تدعونني معلما وسيدا لان ده اي رباي كان دايما يقولوا له يا معلم يا سيد وحسنا تقولون لاني انا كذلك فعلا انا المعلم وانا السيد فهنا ربنا بالرغم من غسل رجليهم كعبد لكن بيقولهم اه انا المعلم وانا السيد فان كنت وانا السيد والمعلم قد غسلت ارجلكم فانتم يجب عليكم ان يغسل بعضكم ارجل بعض غسل ارجل بعض افهمها بمعنيين افهمها في دور الكهنوت في ان هو لما بروح اعترف لابونا بيصلي لي التحليل فبتتغفر خطيتي 
فزي ما المسيح غسل أرجلهم وكده رمز المغفرة الخطايا هكذا الأب الكاهن بالسلطان المعطى له في كل مرة بيصلي التحليل لواحد معترف أو في القداس لما بيصلي التحليل لكنه بيغسل أرجلهم اللي هي معناها مغفرة الخطايا لكن المعنى الثاني اللي هو التواضع أنا السيد وأنا المعلم جلست على الأرض كعبد وغسلت أرجلكم فأنا عايزكم تغسلوا أرجل بعض بمعنى إيه؟ مش معنى بس لترالي نغسل أرجل إنما الواحد يعيش بروح التواضع الخادم الحقيقي لربنا سواء الخادم ده كان خادم مدارس أحد ولا شماس ولا كاهن ولا أسقف ولا عضو لجنة ولا بيخدم في أي خدمة من الكنيسة ممكن أكون ماسك بعمل أي خدمة في خارجها من بره مظهر التواضع ولكن من جوه أنا متكبر وبعمل ده علشان الناس تمدحني لكن عشان كده غسل الأرجل هو التواضع الداخلي إن أنا من جوه فعلا أبقى ناكر لنفسي من جوه بحط الآخرين قبلي بحط كرامتهم قبلي مقدمين بعضكم بعضا في الكرامة من جوه أنا حاسس فعلا إن أنا خادم للكل وإن أنا آخر الكل هو ده غسل الأرجل إن الخادم الحقيقي من الداخل بيبقى فعلا في بذل للذات تام وكامل ده الدرس اللي المسيح عايز يعلمه للتلاميذ قبل ما يروح يخدمه خدمة غسل الأرجل هتروح تخدمه وتبشره للناس اوعوا تبقوا سادة عليهم اوعوا تبقوا زي سادة وعايزينهم هم اللي يخدموكم ده ابن الإنسان لم يأتي ليخدم بل ليخدم وليبذل نفسه فدي عن كثيرين لأني أعطيتكم مثالا حتى كما صنعت بكم تصنعون أنتم أيضا زي ما أنا عملت معكم أنا الإله أنا السيد أنا المعلم غسلت أرجلكم روحوا واخدموا بهذا الروح روح التواضع كنت أنا السيد عملت كده ليس عبد أعظم من سيده ولا رسول أعظم من مرسله لو لو أنا السيد وأنتم العبيد ربنا اللي بيتكلم فأنا السيد غسلت أرجلكم أنتم كعبيد ما تتعظمش وروح بروح التواضع واخدم الآخرين وأنتم الرسل وأنا اللي أرسلتكم فالرسول مش أعظم من مرسله فإن كنت أنا اللي أرسلتكم غسلت أرجلكم روح واخسلوا أرجل بعض إن علمتم, ها إن علمتم هذا لو عرفت ده فطوباكم إن عملتموه المعرفة مش كفاية بأخذ التطويب لما أعمل اللي أنا عارفه لما أعمل اللي أنا عارفه مش كفاية أنك تبقى عارف أعمل اللي أنا عارفه مش كده الكنيسة بتعمل اللقان لقان غسل الأرجل اللي بنغسل فيه الأرجل تعمله مرتين في السنة في خميس العهد تذكار لسيد المسيح غسل أرجل التلاميذ ويوم عيد الرسل تذكار ربنا قالهم زي ما غسلت أرجلكم اغسلوا أنتم أرجل بعض أما اللقان اللي هنصلي بكرة بإذن الله في عيد الغطاس صلوات وطقسه زي اللقان تع خميس العهد وعيد الرسل لكن يفرق في كذا حاجة أول حاجة ما بنغسلش الأرجل لأن اللقان ده يرمز إلى المعمودية كان زمان في زي المقطس ينزلوا يختصوا فيه كده يصلوا عليه فده يرمز رعودي عشان كده بنتهن الشعب في الفرهد 
في الجبهة مش بنغسل أرجل هنا لأن ده رمز للمعمودية فبكرة في اللقان هتلاقوا بنتهنكم في الجبهة في الفرهد حاجة تانية اللي يختلف فيها لقان خميس العهد بتعمل بعض صلوات باكر باكر خميس العهد وبعد صلوات التالتة والستة والتسعة ونبتدي اللقان وبعد كده القداس وبعد كده صلاة الحالية عشر لقان عيد الرسل بتعمل بعض باكر إنما لقان الغطاس بتعمل قبل باكر لأن على أساس المعمودية دي مدخل الأسرار فعلشان كده بنصلي التسبحة على مية المعمودية والمختص في آخر الكنيسة فهتلاقوا بكرة حاطين ترابيزة في آخر الكنيسة خالص هنصلي على المية دي التسبحة بتاعت التسبح نص الليل بتاعت عيد الغطاس وبعد كده بعد كده نصلي في آخر الكنيسة وبعدين نغسل النرش من الناس في جباهة وبعد من نرش من الناس في جباهة نبتدي رفع بخور باكر فأش كده اللقان يبقى قبل رفع بخور باكر مش بعد رفع بخور باكر زي لقان الغطاس سوري عيد الرسل وخميس رعا أما الاختلاف الثالث فيعني الكنيسة دايما يعني الأسقف بيمنح البركة للجميع بما فيهم الكهنة والكهنة يمنحوا البركة للشعب يعني ما ينفعش ان مثلا الشعب يبارك الكاهن او الاسقف او الكاهن يمنح البركة للاسقف الاكسبشن الوحيد والاستثناء الوحيد يوم خميس العهد تلاقي ان الكاهن بيبتدي ان هو بيرشم الاسقف في جبهته بالمي زي ما سيد المسيح قبل ان يوحنا المعمدان يعمده فدي المرة الوحيدة اللي ممكن الكاهن يرشم الأسقف تبقى في يوم خميس العهد سوري في عيد الغطاس تذكار لما صنعوا يوحنا المعمدان مع سيد المسيح فدي المرة الوحيدة اللي ممكن الكاهن يرشم الأسقف دي الفروقات اللي ما بين لأم الغطاس واللقانين بتوع خميس العهد وعيد الرسل لإلهنا المجد الدائم إلى الأبد آمين